Hello, friend. How are you? Now, I hope you're safe and doing the right thing to stay safe. You know, my team values your support as we together march through these unprecedented times. And our goal is to go beyond and exceed on innovating the Aftermarket's premier podcast. And because you listen and learn, well, that's our fuel. It's so reassuring that when I reach out to aftermarket professionals and leaders, they want to contribute. It is also amazing the number of people that reach out to me with ideas that they feel need to be discussed and presented to spur deep think. For that, I'm also grateful. I'm a grateful kind of guy. Now, today I'm with editor and publisher Mark Phillips of Aftermarket Intel that covers the state of the aftermarket. Our industry is going through some rough patches, we all know, with the current stay-at-home orders and unemployment issues, just to name a few. There's a lot of uncertainties because a working vaccine has yet to be developed. With the current state of things, we must stay vigilant and be on the lookout for helping in whatever ways we can. In this episode, we're talking about what's coming and how to deal with it. One of the things that we have going for us is that we have a can-do attitude in this industry. We always have. Nobody got up and, and, and said, hey, you guys should create uh, an, autom- an industry for the automotive service where you don't have to go for the dealership. Nobody told people to do that kind of thing. That, that was men and women getting up every morning and going, I see a problem and I'm going to fix it. And that's how we got here. Hey, hello, thanks for hitting the play button. Carm Capriato here, the Aftermarket Podcast Guy. You know, you may know my methods in creating content. You know, I strive for story, learning, and excellence in knowledge transfer and covering the aftermarket from A to Z. It's become my duty to you, you know, my listeners over five years now to always be striving for excellence and quality because you deserve nothing less. Life as we know it will have a new normal, but the key to staying ahead... We'll be joining your community at Apex 2020 to reconnect. Yep, we're in it together. And together, we're going to move ahead. The dates for Apex 2020, Apex 2020. Write these dates down. November 3rd through the 5th at the Sands Expo and Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas. It's going to be a perfect time to reconnect. A homecoming of sorts. Register now at aapexshow.com. Hey, we welcome a new support partner to Remarkable Results Radio, and that is Shopware. You know, contactless service is key to keeping your base full while remaining six feet apart. Shopware's completely digital workflow will wow your customers and keep your profits up. Tara from Topol Service Center commented recently in quotes, Thank God for this amazing cloud-based software during this difficult time. She can't imagine life without it right now. Thank you, Carolyn at Team Shopware. Hey, book a demo at GetShopware.com. Hey, and if you don't have the Aftermarket's top-rated podcast on your smartphone or tablet, please go to RemarkableResults.biz slash subscribe. Don't miss the power of being mobile. Find the talking points for this episode at RemarkableResults.biz slash E538. Now take a listen with me to Mark Phillips, a long-standing and respected aftermarket journalist, the editor and publisher of Aftermarket Intel, who takes a look at navigating aftermarket life now. And as we get to the other side of this economic disaster. Hey, warm welcome to Mark Phillips. Hi, Mark. 
Hello, sir. How are you? I have a feeling that many of you have uh, read Mark in the past as he's worked in aftermarket media. But right now, Mark is publisher of Aftermarket Intel, um, really having an interesting impact on our industry. He's an aftermarket media veteran and worldwide influencer. And I, you know, and I found out about the fact that you travel uh, worldwide to, to speak on uh, the, the automotive aftermarket. Um, happy for you in, in all the things that you're doing. You're here because I've been following you. I, I read an article recently, uh, the restart of the automotive aftermarket machine is going to take time. And I said, oh, my God, i got to read this. And when I was done with it, I contacted you and I says, get in here, get in the virtual studio. Let's talk about this. We are probably the only industry. If, you, if your refrigerator goes out, you've got to wait, right? If your stove goes out, you've got to wait. No matter what it is, these, these things that we take so for granted in life, but automobile, if it's not done by the end of the day... And that's some of the pressure that we have on this industry, not only in living what we have today, but you know, getting it back opened up. You know, I understand full well the efforts that the associations have made. They have made amazing strides in getting the automotive aftermarket deemed an essential industry. I mean, we are essential. If we don't uh, provide, if we don't repair vehicles and get them out the door, people don't get get to work. Ambulances don't work. Uh, uh, firefighters and, and police cars, they don't move. That is just where we are. But what I'm concerned about with the pandemic is there are certain things, there are certain forces of nature that you can't, in a matter of speaking, stop. You can't just be superhuman about. And I guess that's where I came from writing the article. There's a whole lot uh, going right for us, but no matter how much we do right, there are still forces against us that we have to work through. And I think that this next couple of months is going to be a very painful sort of, not only a reckoning, but it's going to be a battle. And we're going to move forward as a country uh, and as a world. We're going to move forward a little bit. We're going to take a couple hits. We're going to move forward again. And we're going to take a couple more hits. And I don't think this is going to be one of those things where you can just say, Everything is perfect. Let's open up. Everything's great. It's just not going to happen like that. And one of the things that we have going for us is that we have a can-do attitude in this industry. We always have. Nobody got up and, and, and said, hey, you guys should create uh, an, autom an industry for the automotive service where you don't have to go for the dealership. Nobody told people to do that kind of thing. That, that was men and women getting up every morning and going... I see a problem and I'm going to fix it. And that's how we got here. Entrepreneurial capitalism. Um, I always say nature finds a way. It does. And we found a way to do that. And the people that came before me and you uh, have found a way to do that. The thing is, is that this, uh, this pandemic has created a situation that is going to have a certain amount of challenges that we can't even actually see right now. Before we went on air, I saw that Los Angeles County declared that they were going to have stay-at-home orders for the next three months. I don't know that anybody saw that one coming because Ohio, where I live, 79% of the economy opened today. And on Friday, uh, hair salons are going to reopen. So you're going to have more than 90% of the economy in Ohio open. But at the same time, you have one of the largest population centers in the country saying, for the next three months, we're stay-at-home. So I guess what I'm saying is, as much as we would like to repair vehicles and get them on the road, there are still things that are just going to keep 
knocking us and we have to knock it back and it's going to be a back and forth i think okay so two inches forward one inch back but i also heard you say waves you know but with this la thing you know versus ohio we're, we're going to see this coming in waves i am this perpetual optimist and i'm thinking the, you know june 1st june 15th uh, we're going to open up and things are going to be great i'm going to be back sitting eating a beef on weck at my favorite restaurant and and, and i think i'm wrong <laughs> you may be wrong you'll probably have to eat it outside which in the Buffalo in the Buffalo area in May can be a little dodgy. You never know what you're going to get. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. So uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic is one absolute factor. And, you know, one of the things I think you wrote in your article is about the unemployment rate and, and how much longer it, it may last. And again, it goes back to the attitude that we have that we're going to be okay versus the, uh-oh, it's two forward, one back, and this wave of rollout and some of the pundits are saying it's going to be years? Yeah, I mean, there are a number of economists who have said, you know, uh, somebody at J.P. Morgan um, said that um, essentially to get the unemployment rate up to where, or down to where it was, rather, somewhere around the 4% range, that's going to take a decade or more to do that. So the, it, it's, it's fairly easy to stop an economy. It's fairly easy for people to stay home. Uh, in a sense. I mean, it's not easy. It's painful. But it's it's easier to tell people to stay home than it is to say, open it back up. We're great. And there's fear out there. Fear plays a part of this. Testing plays a lot of uh, a part of a lot of this. There are people who, who debate whether or not there's really a virus. I mean, there, there is so much going on right now that it's hard sometimes to figure out what's real and what isn't. But we know a couple things for sure. Uh, there's a lot of people unemployed. There's a lot of people staying at home. There are a lot of governments saying you're going to stay home longer like Los Angeles County than you thought. And those are all factors that we have to deal with as we move forward. I look at it this way. Travel, for, for all intents and purposes, is, is been gutted. Uh, you can't get on a plane to go anywhere. There, a Delta Airlines said 80% of their domestic capacity, 90% of their international capacity have just been has just been torn away. So even if you do throw that light switch, how are you going to get that many planes and that much capacity that's mothballed right now back up and running? The same can be said for every industry almost. Uh, you can't, it's, it's a lot easier to send people home than it is to bring them back. And so those, those are all things we're going to have to deal with. You uh, you talked about in your article about some sur- uh, member surveys from associations and uh, and the outcome of there and I interesting enough about you know where our volume is I talked to a pretty well placed uh, supplier today that said that their April may just be ten down and they consider that a huge win from what March was it was a strong double digit down so there, there's some light at the end of the tunnel it goes back to what you were saying you know we're hit, we're devastated, we, we, we kind of, if you will, stand stiff, and no, nothing happens, and then we start figuring it out. Sure. I think a lot of this is figuring it out as we go, because, you know, they always say, nobody alive has really faced something like this. I lost my, it would be my great-great-grandmother in the Spanish flu of 1918, okay? They went about their way of life in a different way and it lasted for quite some time and then they were hit by you know the second world war and you know and and everything that ensued after that they you find a way it's not the way you would like 
things to be. We can sit here and, and, and debate and say we'd like things to be another way and deny that things are happening, but they are happening. And we just have to kind of roll with the punches. This industry always has. Look at the, the fights that this uh, industry has to put up just to get the most basic things, information about what's going on inside of a vehicle, you know, the right to repair. This is an industry that is used to getting in the boxing ring and, and boxing an opponent, what, whomever that opponent is. And this is yet another uh, one of those things. I think probably the, the automotive aftermarket more so than most industries is, is better prepared for this because we are used to fighting for what is ours. Um, and that's just a fact of life. We have to do it all the time. Um, whether it's a government legislation, it's a, uh, the OEs, you know, the, the, the car manufacturers, there are many ways that we've gotten into the ring uh, in, the, in the life of the automotive aftermarket. And this is uh, but another one of those things. Shopware's innovative shop management system will give you back your time and put more money in your pocket. Make the switch today and watch technician efficiency gain 20%, enjoy increased recommended service, and even grow the highest parts profit margins ever with the smallest amount of work. You know, Steve from Ultimate Automotive says, I love that Shopware lets you complete every estimate on the inspection. And we even have a higher ARO, receive more approvals, and have had a significant increase in revenue. With our previous SMS, estimating was limited because it was so time-consuming. This impacted not only what we could sell on each customer's current visit, but also what we would have prepared for following visits. Hey, your peers are happy. Let Shopware work for you. Book a demo at GetShopware.com. Life as we know it has changed. Now, through it all, your work remains essential to moving the world forward. And your community has never been stronger. And that's one of the many reasons people turn to Apex. And this year, there's even more for shop owners and technicians, including Repair Shop HQ, a shop demo area featuring six bays that simulate a real shop environment, a dedicated tire section, and two new training theaters. Apex is there for you. They're shedding light on new innovations, sharing insights on efficiency and effectiveness, delivering hands-on training, advocating for access to vehicle data, and being your voice for the industry. The key to staying ahead is joining your community at Apex 2020 to reconnect. Now, we're all in it together, and together, we'll move ahead. The dates, November 3rd through the 5th at the Sands Expo and Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas. Register right now at aapexshow.com. I hope to see you there. Great uh, topic of one of your paragraphs was fear is driving the behavior of businesses and consumers alike. And, you know, when I do watch the news, I see that I don't know if it's fear that that are driving people to, for example, open a restaurant on Mother's Day, fear of losing their business or defilement. It could be a little of both. You know, I hear that uh, and we all hear that a lot of the automotive uh, manufacturing uh uh, facilities are starting to ramp up again. Okay. So as those come online, that's all well and good. I love that. You, know, you got people going to work, you got people making things again. The big problem is, is the American consumer ready to put money down on a vehicle when they don't know if they have a job next month? Uh, if they're still drawing benefits, if they're still, their kids still aren't in school. Um, in my own home state of Ohio, they are 
debating like many states, are we going to open in the fall? Come fall, forget this year. This year is written off. You're going to have summer break anyway. Are we going back to school this fall for 2021? So I just think that there are so many unknowns that while we're, people will go back to work, I'm not so sure that those um, sort of purchases that we take for granted as American consumers can be uh, depended on these days. I'm not so sure in the position you know, I'm in. Am I going to go buy a new vehicle this year? Probably not. No, I'm going to get mine repaired. I have, we have two Subarus in the family and we're going to probably ride those things into the ground if we can. I mean, <laughs> you know, if only to support our own industry. Uh, the fear is I don't know what's coming. I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. And uh, when you have that much uncertainty, it never bodes well for, for consuming uh, goods. Look what happens with luxury goods. Luxury goods are completely unnecessary, okay? They dropped off the face of the earth as soon as the pandemic began because people were like, I don't need a new purse. I don't need a new belt. I don't need this. Those are all discretionary things. Fear and uncertainty are not good motivators for buying things unless it's about, I'm going to eat, this is my mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. Vaccine. Is the vaccine going to be it? I mean, the thing that opens the floodgates? Only if these, in my opinion, only if that leads to relaxation of things. If people start to feel better, you know, for example, uh, back in the days of the polio vaccine, uh, when that first began, things didn't start exactly very well. A lot of kids got sick. Those memories stay in our conscience, uh, consciousness. There are people alive today who remember what those days were like. They can speak about it. And I think anytime you're dealing with health uh, and vaccines, no matter what side of the fence you're on, whether they work, they don't work, they should be mandatory, they shouldn't be mandatory. Health stuff scares people. It just does. And the reason is we're not doctors. Most of us aren't doctors. Most of us aren't nurses. Most of us don't have medical expertise. We rely on what we know, what worked last time. What do we think is going to work? Do I really need to do this? Do I need a flu shot? I am a happy flu shot guy. And I'll tell you why. You mentioned in the beginning that I do a lot of international travel, and I do, and uh, flu's everywhere. So I very happily take the flu shot. I haven't experienced any bad reactions to it. Some people might experience a bad reaction to it and may be uh, not as willing or happy to take a vaccine for the coronavirus if they've experienced something bad in the past. And I don't know why that is. Maybe they're allergic to eggs or something like that. Uh, because that's how certainly a lot of vaccines are made. But fear drives a lot of things. And the one thing it doesn't drive is uh, the march to a car dealership to buy a brand new vehicle. Good for the aftermarket. Absolutely, it's good for the aftermarket. I mean, I, you know, I have two cars in, the, in, the, in my driveway. The one's six years old and one's uh, four years old. I don't need a new car anytime soon. And plus, I'm not driving. My wife's car already died. The, the battery has died, even though we started the thing. I mean, it probably needs a new battery, but that's the way it goes. I hear you. Hey, did you get your 1200? Uh, I got that plus. You know, I got a family. Are people going to spend it, do you think? I wouldn't. I haven't. I, I'm, I'm going to wait. I know $400 or so is going to go to an oil change and a, and a new battery. You are going to be conservative, and do you have the pulse of what's going on in our industry, in our world, that uh, people are going to be conservative with, their, with this money, knowing there's so much uncertainty? 
I think they will be more conservative about this money because it comes at this time for this reason. I mean, we had, if you remember, remember back to the, uh, uh, the mortgage crisis. We got a couple hundred dollars around that time and there was those cash for clunkers. There have been sort of these relief checks that have happened before in our, our history, but they were, never be, they were never because of this kind of thing. It was, it was a financial fix to fix something financially related. This is totally different. So this is a financial fix to keep us sustained which is not necessarily what those previous things were. They were to get us to buy other things. Um, so I think when people are concerned about eating and uh, a roof over your head, you're, you become a little more conservative. At least that's what I think. Mark, cash for clunkers, is this just a, a pipe dream? I think there is so much talk right now in Congress about, and the numbers, by the way, let's talk about some numbers here. You know, the GDP of the United States is roughly $20 trillion. We are over $20 trillion in debt as a nation. We're talking about a new legislation on the order of $3 trillion for uh, the most recent package, uh, relief package. These are astronomical numbers that really haven't crossed the lips of our legislators I mean, these numbers that they're talking about are actually the numbers, the amounts of the whole, the entire federal budget that runs NASA, that runs Medicare and Medicaid, and runs every aspect of our lives, that runs the military, everything that we do as a government. Some of these numbers that they're throwing around are exceeding those numbers. And so we have to talk about, we're going to have a budget, and then we're going to have this on top of that. Our overall debt is just going to keep growing and growing and growing. Now, there's a lot of economists that say, yes, we're in a heap of debt right now, but we cannot stop spending right now. Now would be the worst possible time to stop spending. And the reason is, is because it all comes kind of crashing down. We, we are in a position where the government has had to uh, sort of shut us down uh, because of a virus. And because it's done so, they've sort of, somebody made the, uh, comparison to, to the government running a, a Mack truck through your front door. They've just destroyed your home. Now they have to pay you for it. So that's essentially what we're talking about. We're not just talking about um, a little relief package to get you over the next week or two. This is some serious bucks. I mean, if you think about the population of the United States, it's roughly 330 million people. If you multiply that, and I mentioned it, in, I think in my column, they're talking about 2,000 dollars per person. That means every man and woman and child in this country could get that $2,000. If they did that that way, that's $8 trillion. These numbers are off the charts. And I understand the need behind it. People are out of work and, and they're suffering for it. And we'll be paying for it for probably the next 20 years. I mean, it goes back to how are we going to fund Social Security? It's the same thing. How are we going to fund this? And I was speaking to someone earlier that said, a liquor tax. I don't know how far it's going to get. Not that, we, not, that we, <laughs> not that we need to pay anything more for my Cabernet. I understand that part. <laughs> it seems like once there's a tax, they never know how to take it back. To, are you having any fun uh, doing what you're doing, man? I mean, you know, coming from newspaper business, magazine business, uh, God Almighty, you and reinvented yourself. I'm so happy you for mean, you. You uh, mean uh, running my thing? Am I having fun? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm having a blast. I like 
communicating with people. That's always been, and I love disseminating or helping to foster communication with people. So I see my role as a publisher and as a journalist as trying to get people the best information they can, uh, they can get access to, and sort of trying to bring people together about business. Because I love business. I always have. And so my love of media and this has just kind of collided in the most beautiful way. So yeah, I'm having a blast. I'm not having as much fun lately because, well, you know, I'm homebound basically. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. We were supposed to be in uh, Taipei uh, last month, but that got put off till October. Auto Mechanica just got uh, postponed to the following year. So it's going to be a little unusual in that you're going to have it in the opposite year that it's normally. You know, we got Apex coming up, hopefully. And so there's a lot of travel in there. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of uh, seeing different places and meeting people. It's a great gig. Well, good for you. And thanks so much for coming on. I, I, I think you had some great things to say. Uh, no doubt my audience, our listener, is going to value what you're saying. And I think we'll help them um, either find some confidence or, you know, maybe calm their fear and, and make some good decisions uh, uh, down the road here. Thanks, Mark Phillips, publisher, Aftermarket Intel and uh, an Aftermarket Media Influencer. Thanks, man. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 